Welcome to Piloting. I'm Renee. And I'm Melissa. And we're your hosts. Piloting is a podcast for people who refuse to live on autopilot, where we celebrate risk takers, go-getters, and anyone craving a change. Elle, how's your week going? It's good, considering I've got a fun flight coming up. (laughs) I know. By the time this episode airs, you will be in Malaga, Spain with me, which is so exciting. I can't wait to have you here and host you in this beautiful little town that I'm calling home for a month. I know. That's – yeah, I'm in a good mood because of that. So it's been a long time since I've been in Spain, which we talked about in the last episode. Mm -hmm. Um, That was back in 2014, so almost a decade. Wow. And I'm I'm finally reuniting with her. Oh, about time. Yeah, about time for that. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) When was the last time we saw each other in person? January? I know we were – think about that. We were wearing coats. Yep. We yep, went to yep. Jubala Coffee in Raleigh. Yes. It, we had a planning meeting for the podcast and then yeah. just hung out and got lunch. Yeah. Look how <laughs> far we've come. Now we're on episode 11. <laughs> wow. Time's flying. <laughs> and um, yeah, how's how's your past couple weeks been in Malaga? It's been amazing. So the beach is my happy place. I love being by the sea or by the water. And so I've just spent a lot of weekends just doing beach days. Like so many other times when I travel, I am sightseeing, running around, doing 8 million things a day. And so I've actually had people ask me, like my mom and stuff, so what are you doing today? What are you doing this weekend? Like, what are your plans? I'm like, honestly, I'm going to go to the beach before work or I'm going to go to the beach all day Saturday or Sunday. (laughs) Um, I have done some sightseeing around here. I've gone to the cathedral, the cathedral. I've gone to Mm. like some museums, but I I just enjoy like this time of year being on the beach. It's it's perfect. Like in the Mediterranean, I mean, what what more could you ask for? Um, Well, it's very on brand for you, Malaga, considering – being at the beach and just being the summer gal you are. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to, to cosplay summer girl. I'm usually like, I love the mountains and <laughs> rivers. And I'm excited fall. for you to cosplay. <laughs> summer girl too. That's <laughs> I like that. Phrasing. I, had to, I had to be like, do I have enough swimsuits? Do I have like, I had to buy a a sarong the other day because I was like, yeah, I probably should buy a couple cover-ups. But anyway, I'm excited. Yay. (laughs) No, it's going to be so great. I'm I'm so excited that you could take a vacation to coincide with my um, working remotely. So that's awesome. Yeah. Thank goodness for some of the flights being somewhat reasonable and affordable. Yeah, I know. European summer is not cheap. Oof. It's not. People are like flocking. I, I for I need to find the exact number, but you know, given everything that we went through the past like few years, a lot apparently a lot of Americans um and foreigners in general are just like flocking to Europe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um I mean, we can talk about this later on, but I'm going to Asia later in the year and my flight round trip to Asia, it was cheaper than really? coming here to Spain. Yeah. that crazy? And My I booked job. in advance. Ah. I, booked, I booked in advance. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I'm on a much longer flight to a much farther destination and it is wow. a couple hundred dollars cheaper. Yeah. So <gasps> it's, it's like noticeably cheaper. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> well, I guess I need to add Asia to my list. Listen. What other Asian countries do I need to cross off? You beat me though. You've you've been to quite a few. I've been to quite a few. Not China though, which I am like my grandma's Chinese, so that that one's high up there and so is Japan, but I, I am... did not know that, Renee. You didn't? I did not know that. Really? I think <laughs> I did not know that. Wow. Oh my gosh. I can't believe that's never come up in almost 20 years. Yeah. I am part ethnically Chinese. I mean, predominantly Jamaican, but like also part Chinese, part. So you're like truly Jamaican. Yeah. Yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah. Um, My grand aunt actually taught me how to use chopsticks. She used to have, we called it Chinese New Year parties, but like now I think the correct term is Luna New Year because Mm. like many countries celebrate it. 
But yeah. Yeah, Look Chinese. at that. Look at that. From like, you know, Cantonese food, like that region, like mm-hmm. Canton, which I think is now called like Guangzhou, I believe, something like that. Yeah. I've only been to um, Hong Kong. My oh. aunt, yeah, my mom's youngest sister, she lived and worked there with her family um, for years. And I'm so actually after my Spanish um, abroad trip, we talked about last episode, uh, I've traveled to the Philippines for my dad's wedding. And then I was there for like a month and um, I spent like a weekend in Hong Kong. And I'm so glad I did because she ended up moving <sighs> away. She ended up moving back to the Philippines a handful of years ago. And yeah, it was just a really good experience to have like a, a local actually showing you around. That's that's awesome. I've heard Hong Kong is a really good time. Yes. And it's really fun. Just another one of those cities. Uh, lots to do, lots to eat, great public transportation. I was able to like walk around the city by myself. You know, I was like 24 at the time. I maybe had just turned 25. Um, you know, so I was young and I was able to work out the transit and do all that. And it felt totally fine. More I than fine. That. It was more than fine. <laughs> yeah. The safety and the accessibility, like the ease of getting around. I, I love cities like that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, but anyway, um, <laughs> what are we talking about this week besides like our future travels? All the traveling. Well, travel, I'd say, is a pretty on-brand thing for us to to talk about, mm-hmm. and that's my segue into what we're talking about today, <laughs> which is personal branding. I love that. I love that you brought this up as a topic for us to discuss because I think it's something that especially with social media um, and social networking or even just like traditional networking, it's something that comes up a lot. Like what's your professional brand? What's your personal brand? Mm-hmm. And it, it just feel, it can feel really overwhelming to people. And it is, it's, it, you know, I guess first and foremost, we can define what personal branding is and how it relates to a lot of the subjects that we're talking about. Um, and I'm not the first one to describe personal branding as this. Uh, there's a, lots of like articles circulating and a lot of folks who help individuals like us with their personal brand. But this is my favorite way of describing what personal branding is. And that's it's what people say about you when you're not in the room. Mm. So it's the experience. I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot, right? It's It's your reputation. It's the experience people have when they're around you. It's the impression that you leave when you've left people. Um, and the same way I feel like that we experience act like company brands, we have to think of ourselves in that same way. Um, what, you know, what's our aesthetic? What, what's our personal messaging? What are our values? What do we stand for? Um, you know, if, if we're, I guess like if you're in a grocery store and we're, and we're on a shelf and someone's picking us for a job, um, what's gonna, what's going to pique their curiosity and pick us over others. Mm. Um, so, I mean, personal branding is definitely tied to career and like accelerating your career, but I also think it's just like a really good exercise to go through when you're piloting anything, right? Because the more you know yourself, the more you're able to understand what it is that brings you passion and what it is that brings you meaning, and so very much like the audit that Bruce Feiler was talking about in the book, that um, the search that we did mm-hmm. a book club episode on, um, that audit he was talking about reminded very much so of like how you would audit yourself to understand and figure out what your personal brand is. I feel like personal brands and like personal branding is especially important, but also challenging right now because I think you have to start merging your personal and professional selves Mm. into a single brand, which is tough. Like 
I think I've always grown up very much compartmentalized. Like this is work. This is Mm. the rest of my life. Like there's a clear line drawn. And I think many people appreciate having that distance, you know, that separation. But Mm. I think it does become challenging again, I think with social media and just how connected we are that your coworkers or clients or people that you do business with, they might interact with you or see how you present yourself on your personal social media channels. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think information just spreads so much more quickly and it's no longer the days of, well, it's 5 p.m. It's 6 p.m. I'm going home. You all won't see or really hear about me until tomorrow mm-hmm. morning unless you know, something crazy happens and someone runs into me at the supermarket. Whereas now it's, oh, I saw a tweet that Melissa posted or Renee had a photo up and that, you know, it's, it's, it's a little tough now if, if my job, for example, is all about tobacco, you know, like the tobacco industry, just as an Mm. example, but in my personal life, I'm advocating for, lung health and, you know, different thing that people, like, I think now there's more of a, there's a disconnect between these two selves. Whereas before people didn't know if I was a vegan health food nut at home, but worked Mm -hmm. for a soda and chips company. It's like, I don't know what you do in your free time. Like, I don't care Mm -hmm. if there's a disconnect, you're just coming to work and doing your job. Whereas now I think people just have more information. And so it, it's hard to keep them totally separate. What do you think? Oof. Well, I think that just reaffirms for me and, and confirms that what there, there is like when you, I'm visualizing like a Venn diagram, like I think in an order for me to have the life that I want to live, I know that I can't be someone completely different at work to be some, and then be someone completely different at home. Like a lot of those areas are going to seep into one another. And not that I want my whole, like, I don't want that. Everyone says like, bring your whole selves to work. Like, ah, I don't know if you can handle 100% Melissa. Okay. I don't, I don't, I Um, think you should bring like 80 to 90%. Yeah. Because (laughs) Yeah, maybe eighty five percent. There, yeah, there is a limit. <laughs> the limit does exist to how much um, permission you give your work to allow. Because sometimes, if you give too much of yourself, they keep expecting that, and then your boundaries get crossed. Like I feel like so many of these episodes that we've talked through are just like colliding right now. Because, yeah, I don't. I do believe that no matter what we do, I somehow need to find alignment in the company that I'm working for. If I'm being completely honest, I haven't found a company that I've worked for yet that has checked every single box in my like morale values, but it's ticked like enough that I'm able to give myself the time, you know what I mean? Like allow them to Mm -hmm. see a part of me. And I'm like, okay, like this company isn't completely shot. Like they're not doing illegal things or I don't know. (laughs) They they align with my values. Um, And yeah, social makes things really hard. Like I've seen some stuff with like brand, like personal branding and influencers right now. Um, Like a hot topic is we we expect these especially I'm gonna I'm just talk about mom influencers right now mom influencers we expect them to share so much of their life and um like Love Taza is a very very famous mom influencer she is a well known uh Mormon that lived in New York City during the pandemic she moved she had like she has like five kids. Um, her and her husband moved from New York City to Arizona. She just released like a book like t- a couple years ago. And like uh, people have seen her children like from the day her first child was born to now. And I think her oldest is maybe like this. Is, it's it's wild how much information I know about this family. But they're famous. Anyway, 
she just decided to go dark and she like deleted her Instagram a few years ago, a few months ago or a month ago. And of course I'm like scouring the Reddit channel, like Reddit threads because I'm like, what happened? (laughs) What happened to love Taza? And, um, the fact that people have had such a reaction to this is wild, right? Like a, someone's allowing to, have them peek into their lives. And so they feel this sort of, um, what's that word? Like entitled and yeah, thank you. Entitlement to know the ins and outs of their lives because they have shared it before. And so a lot of mom fluencers now have like learned from the earlier days of influencing. And there's a lot of, um, influencers who like, there's one Natalie Borin that I, I really like her style. I just really like her her vibe and what she shares. And she made it a conscious decision to never show her kids. So she's drawn a boundary between her work and her life. Even though her life is her work, she has somehow figured out a way that is respectful of her boundaries to be like, actually, you all follow me for fashion and for conscious consumption and for book reviews and for this, you don't need, like, I don't need to share pictures of my children. So I guess what all in all I'm trying to say here is I'm going like on a rant here is I think there is a line that you do have to draw, but you can't, I don't know. I just don't believe in being completely different people. This just sounds exhausting. Yeah, no, I agree. I I don't believe in being completely different people. I think I think for me sometimes different parts of myself come out more in different mm. dynamics or different relationships. Um which is fine. But I guess Influencers aside, because obviously, like, as an influencer, your job is to make a personal brand. I think what a lot of us are grappling with is I'm not an influencer, but I'm also being encouraged to develop and promote. And promote, I don't mean on social media, I just mean, like, promote in meetings, when I show up places, like, exude this personal brand anyway. Mm-hmm. Not as an influencer, but just as a, a regular regular Jane or Joe. Um, and so how, I guess... Like, how do you recommend people go about the process of developing a personal brand? I, I found some mm. articles that had some some questions and some tips, but I'm curious, do you have any, like, guidance for developing that personal brand? Yeah. my um, At my company, we have these things called tollies where um, it's a Nepali word, but it's like a micro community. There's like six to eight of us, each company, and you get to talk about a subject that you want to talk about. And actually my manager and I, we did one on, on personal branding. And even though like brand is literally in my professional title, I had not spent the time (laughs) to work in my own personal brand. And so, um, a lot of that is just like a auditing, and understanding what people think of you today. And so like asking like friends, asking colleagues, um, like certain questions that you want answers to answer. So you're like, hey, basically asking for feedback, which is um, sometimes hard to ask and hard to hear. But I think that's like a good step of like, okay, um, something I need to work on is this. Something I need to work on is this. And just understanding yeah. like – at the end of the day, like what you want to portray. And I think there's a difference between, I don't know, it's just understanding like um, at what you want to be remembered for, what you want to be known for, and just understanding like your story too yeah. and how that, how that aligns with how people are being, how, how people are perceiving you. I think that's actually the most important piece is hearing – what other people see, because sometimes there could be a misalignment between what I think I'm portraying versus what other people are receiving. And so mm-hmm. it can be couched as feedback. But I think, again, we've talked about this before. Sometimes people associate the word feedback with 
criticism Mm -hmm. and things to work on, but it doesn't have to be that way. I know I've asked people at different points in my life, what are words that you think of when you think of me? Like, what are three words that come to mind? And I find that really helpful because it's good to hear the things that are consistent. Like sometimes there's certain words that come up from different people. And I think you need to also ask a wide breadth of people. Ask your people you work with professionally, ask people you know personally, ask family, ask intimate friends, ask distant, like tier three, tier four, like outer circles of friends. Like, I think you need to hear from different people, like what vibes they're picking up. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's not always about feedback. It's just, oh, I see you as bubbly. And someone else is like, I see you as really assertive. Like those Mm -hmm. can communicate two different things. They don't have to be mutually exclusive, but they're different vibes. And so you want to know, hmm, people I'm really close to think that I'm assertive and critical, but people more like further out think this or vice versa, or how do I reckon? These are just random words I'm using. I'm like, but how do I reconcile those things? Or maybe I want to be known as a bubbly person. And so that's something I have to work on. I, I think you definitely need that third party. It can't just be this is what me and my best friend or my partner see. And that's the only information we're going to run with. Because <laughs> like, they're not they're not your only audience. Your audience is everyone else that you're going to be coming into contact with. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I think just knowing what people find as what people remember about you is helpful for you to be like, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. I think those, yeah, these are the areas that I need to work on. Here are some blind spots that I had that I, I didn't realize that, you know, my assertiveness communicated this when I thought I was doing this. Um, and it's, you know, I think knowing that feedback and then, you know, taking that into consideration, you've mentioned this before, you don't have to take all the feedback you receive and then doing like your kind of doing your own self audit of, um, what what are things that are valuable to me? What do I want to be remembered as? What do like what are my professional goals? Um, you know, what do I need to do today to help me get to the reality of like the type of job that I want in the future? What do I aspire to be? And I think setting those two exercises against one another and then that will funnel into create starting to create that personal brand. Um and that personal brand starts, you know, there's a bunch of resources that we can share to get you to understand like, okay, what does it mean when I say personal brand? Um how do how, what does that look like in real life? What does that look like uh digitally? And like a lot of those things are deciding whether or not you join a certain so uh, join a certain social channel. If you're like, well, um, I don't know, I because of the because of X, Y, and Z, I see myself not joining Threads, <laughs> which I personally love Threads. Oh, I'm um, enjoying Threads, yeah. <laughs> and um, th- you know, these are the types of companies that I will only apply for because I feel like it aligns with what I do. This is the type of stuff. This type of content that I will share because I know that it is um, an authentic portrayal of of my personal brand and these are the things that I, I won't talk about. Yeah. yeah. There's – I heard something that was really amazing years and years ago and I was like trying to find the link for this conversation so I could share it in the show notes. I couldn't find it. Um, which is like drives me crazy. But one thing that this woman said that I think we should think about more when it comes to personal branding is that her perspective, and it like kills me that I don't know her name and can credit her, but that you should do the work first mm-hmm. and then let the brand follow. And I think she's so right because I think in this age of social media and this pressure that I have to have a brand and like, and how I'm presenting myself, whether it's in person, whether it's online, et cetera. I think a lot of people are putting the cart before the horse. And so they're creating the brand, Mm -hmm. but they don't always have the work and the actions 
to back it up. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, that's something, because I think I'm just like obsessed with authenticity. I think that's something that I don't want us to get lost. I mean, you can you can do the exercise of thinking, this is the vision of the woman I want to be or you know, the person I want to be. Let me now work backwards from that vision or like, how do I get towards that goal? I think it's okay to do that vision mapping mm-hmm. in advance. But, you know, like if people are saying my brand is a luxury girly, it's like, can you afford luxury goods? Like, is that actually your <laughs> lifestyle? Like you can't just have this brand if it's not backed up in a more practical sense in the mm-hmm. workplace. For example, if I'm positioning myself as my brand is I'm a leader. I'm someone people can talk to about their issues. I like to guide and mentor. I can like oversee big projects. Like I want to position myself as a leader. But when it comes time to do projects at work, I'm not raising my hand. I'm kind of sitting back and waiting for people to tell me what to do. Like then the brand is not aligning with the work that you're doing. And I think sometimes we should just be mindful of it's okay to vision map this is the brand I want for myself. But you have to think what, like, either pick a brand that is actually who you are, or if the brand you're working towards is different, be prepared to do the work to Mm -hmm. live that version of yourself. Like, I can't position myself as a leader. And when situations arise, I'm more comfortable taking a backseat waiting to be told what to do, not feeling comfortable making decisions. Like, you know, like, I th- and I don't say that to be harsh, <laughs> but I do think in social media, especially, we can set ourselves up to portray something that's not actually happening. So I think if yeah. you are going to create these like reach goals for yourself, which are good, I'm a goal, I like goals, I like reaching and striving, but I have to be prepared to do the work to like be that yeah. woman <laughs> that I'm pretending now, to be. <laughs> it's it's not harsh. It's not harsh at all because I think the, the key term and the key theme here is that authenticity piece. Um especially our younger generations, they see through bullshit and yeah. they'll sniff out brand bullshit a mile away. 10, you know, because I mean the, the same way we would treat other brands like if all of a sudden Burger King, McDonald's was like, okay, we're rebranding. And now we're all about, even though they use these terms, but you know, we're all about like farm to table, fresh, fresh, fresh. We're like, ha ha ha. Good try. No, you're not. <laughs> and you will never be. However, I think when it comes well, to not pers- never, you're not right now. <laughs> Mm, yeah, you're not right. We, we don't know what they're doing in the future. <laughs> My hot take on branding in general is that brand is a living and breathing thing. And what I mean by that is it can evolve and it can change and it can be and it's malleable and it's and it's flexible. And so very much how like you were you were talking hinting about it and talking about it earlier of you know even though you you might do some work and create this like vision of of your personal brand it will change and it will evolve as you change and yeah. evolve and that is totally okay like having a personal brand is not meant to box you in and is not meant to be the end all be all i think and A, also personal brand is just not also not what you're saying on social. Like mm-hmm. it is so much more than that. It's when people meet you, how do you make them feel when um, like any anybody's interaction with you? I mean, it, personal branding is really just your reputation. But yes, I, I'm in the camp of you can't just like create this beautiful brand and then not actually – have anything to do with it. You definitely, I know it's like car, the, what is it? The horse before the cart, the cart before the horse, egg, chicken and egg. I think there is some stuff though, that you, there's some work to be done um, to help guide you in the sense of finding that, that personal mm-hmm. brand that you're after. But 
exactly the same way that I would think of companies doing this. You can say all that you want to say, but if I'm not seeing the results, you aren't actually that brand. So 100%. You got to do the work. (laughs) I'll drop this in the show notes. Um, There's an article in Harvard Business Review, What's the Point of a Personal Brand? Um, They actually have four steps that I think are very, very high level, but still helpful in kind of mapping out creating a personal brand. Step one, figure out what drives you. Um, Like we said, like, what are your goals? What are you interested in? I, my brand is I want to create aesthetic, beautiful experiences. I want to give back and help. I want to be an innovator and change. Figure out what that is for you. Step two, align your values to your organization's goals. This organization could be the company you work for, a place that you volunteer at. Um, I use the word organization loosely to just like communities that you're in, I guess. Um, Step three, map your stakeholders. Who are the people that like you need to like connect with to help get this vision, this brand off the ground? And then step four, make yourself visible. Like you have to People have to start seeing mm-hmm. that innovator and being like, oh, wow, she is always coming up with creative ideas and solutions. And she is always thinking outside the box. This innovator brand is now being like received by people. It's visible. It's not just something that's in your head. Um, and so I think that article does a good job of kind of giving you some high level steps if you don't really know where to start because you're like, I'm not an influencer. Why do I need to do this? I don't plan to start my own business either. I just want to like do well at my job. I do still think it's helpful to to think about branding a little bit. Um, yeah. And yeah. I'll share um, – she – well, she has a LinkedIn course that I took um, that's called like The Truth About Your Career and Personal Branding, which if you don't have LinkedIn Learning – um, to take that course. She has so much other like free content around like from YouTube and her Instagram. Her name is um, Sade Zarai. And mm. she describes herself as like a peak performance educator, um, helping professionals kind of like, kind of like, like life hacks, more like professional hacks. And she talks a lot about personal branding. And so the course I took again was called The Truth About Your Career in Personal Branding. Um, but in general, I just think she has a lot of really good context setting and tips and tricks to just be a better person, be a better professional. And we're all about growth here. But in her LinkedIn course, she has like a bunch of exercise worksheets that goes through a lot of those steps in that Harvard Business Review article you shared. Um, a lot of like worksheets and audits to understand like, what is my, what is my mm-hmm. brand? And also, like, what is my brand story? So, kind of, we talked a lot about that, or two of just at the end of the day, sort of how a lot of brands have messaging and, like, okay, we know that Warby Parker uh, gives a pair. We know that, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking right now, but, you know, Tom Shoes started that whole, you know, buy a pair, give a pair all of these stories are sort of stuck in our heads for these certain brands. We want to mirror that for ourselves. Like what is our brand story? What do we stand for? What's the impact we want to make? And she has this whole template to walk you through how to do that. And so when you're in your next meeting and someone, or just, I don't know, on the street in the subway and someone goes, Oh, Oh yeah. My name is Melissa. What do you do? you have this story and this statement that you end up like writing out to help tell it better instead of like, Oh, you know, I'm like in marketing. Oh, I do like brand stuff. I want to look into this learning. I also just love the name Sade. I think that's such a beautiful name. Oh, talk about personal brand and presence. She she is top notch. (laughs) She has goals. She has goals. Um, I also love, kind of talking about story that is something again that came up in our book club, our most recent book club, Bruce Feiler's The Search, um, Finding Meaningful Work in a Post-Career World. Um, I read another article. It was an NPR from earlier this year. I revamped my personal brand using this five-step process. Here's how it went. I'll drop it in the show notes. But the article mm. cites some research, which I, I find very interesting. Um, it found that 
engaging in personal branding activities led people to have greater career satisfaction because they perceived that they had more employability, like they could bring more things to a work situation. Um, It also led to greater self-esteem and the belief that one's actions are responsible for successful outcomes. And I think that idea of having better self-esteem and feeling like my actions are responsible for outcomes is important. I think as we as we all know, like we're more likely to change jobs and change whole careers now more than our parents' generation and way more than our parents' parents' generation. You're not necessarily tracking. I started in this internship in journalism. I got a staff writer position. I'm an editor. Now I'm head of the newspaper. Some people still follow that linear track, but many people are saying, I worked in newspapers. Then I started working logistics. Then I became an artist. Then I started working in construction. Like your career is just all over the place. And I think figuring out a personal brand, figuring out what some of those threads are that connect these apparently disjointed opportunities and things together, it it gives you a better sense of control over, even though I've worked in these different industries, every time I've gone to a new position, my brand is about community. I have helped like get people excited to work there. I have, you know, built connections. I've been very community oriented, regardless of the industry or, you know, in each new situation, I'm X, Y, Z. I think creating that narrative that helps to organize some of these things does improve your self-esteem because it it makes your life feel less random and like Mm -hmm. there's more purpose, like all of these different winding roads were leading somewhere. And it's hard to do that sometimes at the beginning of your journey. You don't know right now if you've just made one career pivot. Well, why did I just jump into becoming a recruiter when I used to work in technology? Like this feels so random, but if you look back in 10 years or two Mm -hmm. years, you'll be able to, (laughs) to see the connections. And so I think some of that personal branding exercise also just helps. It helps you feel like you have a story about what you're doing and that your choices have meaning. Mm -hmm. Like these are not random. Like I'm doing them for a reason. You do, right? Like you do, (laughs) you do have a reason for it and what you do and how you position yourself, even through like the, the roads that and like that led you to a dead end, like all of that matters and people want to hear it and, and, and people can relate to it. So if you did go through something that you would deem as a failure, failure, I, I'll find the quote for this, but failure is something what happens to you. It is not you. And I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. loved it. And so all of these things, the good, the bad, the ugly, um, are part of your narrative. And yeah, what you said, like the brand story is a, is a cohesive narrative that encompasses all parts of that journey. And we are what we tell ourselves. And so the more that we have this like very Mm. positive, intentional brand statement or story that can speak to our truth and that highlights the best of us and what we're willing to grow into and all this stuff, we're going to believe it. And if we believe it, other people will believe it. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know? <laughs> I completely agree. And I think I think your brand work is a big part of that, especially when you think about like professional branding. But there are other things that you're doing in your life that factor into. Um, I'll drop this in the show notes. This is a totally left field ad, but like one of my favorite essays by Toni Morrison, it's I believe it's called you are not the work you do. You are the person that you are. Um, I'll put the actual title and like link it in there. But it talks about her. She talks about her journey of like cleaning homes, working as an assistant in offices. Obviously, by the end of her career, she was a prolific writer, American like Nobel laureate for literature. I mean, just every literary award you could win. But like her journey went through so many different things from her working in... um, like custodial work, like cleaning to all of these different things. And it's just a good reminder that even if at the beginning of your journey, you can't really connect the dots between, well, how does this career connect to that one? Or how did these two jobs, 
makes sense in a story. Like if the narrative mm-hmm. isn't clear to you yet in terms of the work, think about the person that you are. Are you a person who is working in service? And so regardless of whether you're in quote unquote the service industry as a bartender or if you are working as a high powered lawyer, like service is something you're bringing to each step. Or just think about who you are outside of work. And sometimes that helps kind of sketch the outline mm. of the story of your work life to kind of bring all of that together. I like that. And I'm excited to read it. And I mean, we hear about all these um, folks too, right? Who are had a lot of pivots in their career and have shifted. And I mean, you know, when did Oprah get her start? Right. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I've, I've tons of articles around like, you know, you're th- don't worry. Tina Fey was still working at the YMCA when she was 34. Like, yeah. <laughs> and it all, it all connects somehow. Um, one last lingering thought I have about personal brand. And I think um, I got this from our, our gal Sade is that if we may not be able to control our, our personal brand or our narrative per se, um, but we can shape it. And the mm. thing, though, is if we don't shape it, our personal brand, our reputation becomes what others are saying. So let's own our narrative, right? <laughs> Mic drop. Yeah, I, I love ending on that sort of – not sort of, that very empowering note that it is – you can do a lot to help shape it and, like, organize it so that people aren't just – saying whatever they say or perceiving whatever they perceive. Yes, I can't control. Some people might be committed to misunderstanding me. Mm -hmm. That's fine. That's just how the world works. But if I'm doing the work of pushing these other things forward and like creating these other vision visuals, you know, through like my volunteer work, like you said, how I make people feel when they interact with me, I'm, I'm still shaping it, you know, much more than those one or two haters who just like, <laughs> don't want to give you a chance. That's okay. Cause they're going to be haters, but that's life. <laughs> Press on. <Yeah. laughs> and like, you know, I, I'm still, I'm still sort of like in this trial period with some of the stuff that I'm trying to do with my personal brand. I know you Renee are, are also yeah. chipping away at some personal brand stuff and doing the assessments, asking yeah. the questions in very early stages, but yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a ton of tools out there. We'll share some um, of like brand archetype work that you can do for yourself as well. Um, and you're, I mean, part your Enneagram, your Myers-Briggs, like these things can help you shape it as well. If you're like, wow, I, I'm a six wing seven. I'm a, seven wing eight. What does this say about me and the experience people have? Um, so this is, I wouldn't say like, uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's a living and breathing thing. So technically your personal brand is a lifetime kind of project, but mm-hmm. it's a project that can really help identify and maybe illuminate ways to create more meaning in your life, career-wise or just life-wise, um, and may help ignite a piloting idea. I love Never that. Know. I love that. Tell <laughs> us about your tell us about what ideas spark when you do this activity too. We'd love we'd love to yes. hear if any of you start doing this branding work and realize, you know what? I need to create this because yeah. my branding work has told me that like everything I'm doing in my life is moving me in this direction. I, I love when things crystallize for people like that. Yeah. I think even though we weren't maybe purposely at the time thinking about our personal brand. We are two, I think we're two types of people who like always think about our personal brand though. Um, and <laughs> I think it paralleled to us being like, okay, creating this podcast is a huge part of that. Um, yeah. being able to have these discussions with each other, that curiosity, I think that we have too. Yeah. Um, and just our need, word. our need to like connect, mm-hmm. um, and build. So. I love that. I love that. We should like do a part two in a couple months and like share our personal brand oh, words. And yeah. Stuff. I'm not in a place to do it yet because like I said, I'm still in that early research phase, but I think that'd be fun. Like That would be really fun. I I have a statement 
I don't have a story though. So uh, you're a couple um, steps ahead of me. <laughs> just a, just a couple. I have a mood board. <laughs> <laughs> and, a, and technically a, a URL, but we're going to keep working on it. Oh, that's awesome. Um, no, but yeah, keep keep working on your personal brands. Um, I think it's it's important, like you said. Um, what was it? If yeah. you don't shape it, it shapes you. What was the quote? Yeah, basically, <laughs> if um, we can't control it, but shape it, mm. because if yeah, if we don't, others will shape it for us. Oh. I like that. Control your narrative. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) I like that, uh, which I've said seven times in a row. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me how much you like it, Renee. Tell me one more time and I'll believe you. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I used to – that reminds me. I used to be so snarky. Well, I am still sometimes snarky, but I remember being like younger – maybe like five years ago. And if someone like repeated it as a joke, it'd be like, just tell me one more time and I'll believe it. Yeah. (laughs) Just tell me one more time and I'll do it. (laughs) I feel like I used to be so much more sarcastic and snarky when I was younger. I mean, I can still appreciate some sarcasm, but I feel like now I'm, I'm so sincere. Like people, I'm like the easiest person to pull like dupes on. I'm like, Oh, you did just move to Morocco? Oh, yeah. Tell me about that. And they're like, Renee, like silly. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm also like, I cry all the time now, which I never used to do. I'm just, yeah, I'm getting soft in my old age. That's, <laughs> I'm not old. No, that is a beautiful thing. I just had a conversation about how typically I've, generational generationally speaking like a lot of people tend to like harden as they get older and Mm -hmm. this was about my parents so it's fine i'll I'll share and (laughs) i have just appreciated my parents that they have not hardened that they've actually softened and i'm seeing this like version of themselves in their 60s that i didn't experience in their younger years um and i just love when people soften because yeah. they just are more open and like flexible and just yeah cuz if you harden you know what happens when you harden if someone like chips you cracks everywhere you will fall Shots apart it. yeah yeah no it is beautiful to soften i do wish sometimes i was not so like anything just makes me cry like a cute commercial will set me up I I can't even imagine what will happen if I'm pregnant and I have like pregnancy hormones flowing through me. I'll be. I'm horrified. I'm horrified. Mess. (laughs) Right now, the things that make me hysterically sob are this is just the phase in my life that I'm in is anything related to dogs and and just oh I could see that uh, for you (laughs) yeah and just the all these Instagram reels about dogs tear me to shreds. And I'll just be sitting in my bed, reading it, hysterically start crying, find my dog, and hold him for like 30 minutes straight. Oh. Because <laughs> oh. I can't take it. <sighs> I feel like I'm in a, any kind of just acts of, like random acts of human kindness that sets me off. Like, if they're like, I follow the good news movement on Instagram, any oh, little video no. of like, Oh, this pure, like, young boy just helped this old lady. Or like, anything where people are just, like, so kind and they're not asking for anything in return and they're just giving of themselves. Like, that kind of pureness that hasn't been, like, darkened or, like, squashed out by the world. I'm just like, we got to keep that alive. Yes. <laughs> I think no, it's so that's sweet. so true. <laughs> the, well, I follow the good move. Is it good movement news? Good news movement? Oh, One I of those it. two. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this mom grew out her hair to make a wig for her daughter. <gasps> I saw that Lost today. It. I saw that today. I saw that That's today. what – Because the, the daughter's like a burn victim or something yes. like that. It yes. Was, oh, my God. Yes. And just like the pure joy on that girl's face. <laughs> yep. God. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, before anyway. we start sobbing on this podcast – would you like to share your gold star? Yes, I would very much like to share my gold star. Um, and it's in keeping with our theme today. So I meant to share this a couple of weeks ago and I forgot. But my gold star this week is for Nathan Sawaya. 
He mm-hmm. is a renowned Lego artist. So a few weeks ago, they had one an exhibition an exhibition of his work in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I was um, there and I saw it with my mom, and it is just fantastic what this man can do with Lego bricks. Um, I was a Lego maniac as a kid. <laughs> like, did not, I was not like into dolls and stuff. I had like a lot of boys on my street. So I would just like play video games and like play Legos with them. And so it was <laughs> like, wow, he took this very technical engineering style like toy and makes like the most beautiful works of art. Like, men carrying like a child's body. Like there were things we looked at and I, my mom and I were just like, wow, I'm having an emotional response to mm. these Legos and just the beautiful sculptures he can create. And I want to give a shout out a to his work and also to his story. He was working as a corporate lawyer in New York city until his late twenties or early thirties and made a big career pivot. He did a rebrand and decided I am actually really passionate about art. I am not feeling fulfilled in this high paying, mm. glamorous career that everyone else would love to have on their resume. And he made that shift and is now doing so well as an artist. He feels fulfilled. The exhibition had like videos of him and you could just see the joy leaping out of his pores uh. talking about it. And yeah, I just think the the artwork is beautiful. And I think just hearing more stories of people like that who said, maybe I didn't like start right away. And he, he'd been obsessed with Legos from a kid, but like everyone Mm -hmm. else kind of did the expected thing, the more traditional work route, and then kind of did a U-turn back to himself. And I just love that. I love people who are not afraid to say, this is maybe the road less traveled, but it's the road that's calling me and Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it. So Nathan Sawaya, if you ever get a chance to see his artwork, do not write it off because it's Lego bricks. It is so stunning and moving. It's really good. Like the world and the community and the universe really that Lego has created (laughs) is probably (laughs) the most fascinating. I'm going to sound like such a corporate dork right now, but like fascinating case study of (laughs) branding and building community. And yeah, mastery. Have you seen Lego Masters? No, what's that? Ah, Renee. Okay. Wait. I think it's on Hulu. Lego Masters is a competition show about Lego builders competing. And so there's certain themes around each one. And then there's only been two, well, I've only seen two seasons. They may be working on a third. Um, I forgot his name right now, which is horrible, but it's the actor ooh, who was married to Amy Poehler. Um, he's the host oh, of the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. That guy. I can see his yeah, face. Yeah, you can see his face from Arrested <laughs> Development. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can hear his voice. Um, but Lego Masters, you will <sighs> – these artists – I mean, there, there's there's some of them who are like – artists maybe like the who you share but there's also just like two brothers or just like a husband and a wife who just do this for fun and they want to compete um it's it's a probably one of the best competitive shows i've ever watched it's like great british bake-off but for legos for lego yeah oh my god i'm obsessed i also kind of want one of those lego kits that you can build like these beautiful orchids and like plant have you seen those yes i think those are so pretty also i uh Eric really wants the por- – there's like a Porsche one, um, like a car one. And then I actually just uh, – F1 is also having a moment right now. So they are having a moment. Out. Harry Potter-themed ones. <sighs> the city ones are also fascinate me, like this, the way you can create like a whole city. You oh, know? yeah. Well. Oh, yeah. Love, love Legos and love and <laughs> Nathan Sawaya. <laughs> Melissa <laughs> – yeah, okay, my turn. Off track um, What's no, your host? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little on brand for us to go off track, so yeah. <laughs> we take the non-linear paths. Um, <laughs> my gold Quite star literally. is threads. Yeah, that was almost mine. I, mean, <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to pick it. Yes, let's talk about threads. <laughs> threads. So if you don't know threads – Instagram Meta came out with a Twitter dupe. 
Don't say that, girl. They might get sued for like, it is our own app. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, What did my, one of my friends said this, the Bluebird app (laughs) do? No, but it is, uh, here's what I love about threads. Um, I don't know what the terminology is yet, but it is essentially like a feed where it's not so much highlighted and focused on just video and photos. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, and so many people have like hopped over. I think, I think they're at like 50 billion downloads already, which is wild considering it's like beat. Oh, not billion. I said million. I was about to say, we don't have that many people on the planet. No, <laughs> not. Wow. <laughs> Y'all, math is not part of my brand. Just going to say it's that. Okay. I meant million, 50 million <laughs> downloads, which has succeeded and passed like all these other apps. Like, again, with context, you have to pay for Netflix and you have to like pay for, or mostly pay for Spotify. And, but it's beat all of those. And just a bunch of people moved over here, downloaded an app. And there's just a lot of community building on there. Like, so many people, I have been able to, interact with people that I've followed on Instagram for years and they actually like respond back and you know it's just I don't know it's a I don't know what it is I don't know if like our world just like needed this new way to interact but so many people have been having very positive experiences on there so far it's I'm sure we're gonna eventually get it there's no ads on there there's no like too many people like pushing their own agenda. It just feels very like natural, conversational, and relatable. And mm-hmm. I love it. I've had a good experience so far. Now I know like this is they 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 mentioned this is like the base sort of release and they plan on releasing and there's gonna be more things to come, like a search feature. I think hashtags will still be a thing, although I've been it was very refreshing that it wasn't a thing when you first got on there. So I don't know if they'll forever take that away and more ways to have like private messaging right now that's not available. So um, yeah, we'll see how it stands in the next couple months, the next couple weeks. Um, I, I felt kind of excited about Clubhouse when it was first released and Clubhouse Same. isn't as much of a thing anymore. Um so we'll see. We'll see how Threads does. But right now, it, it gets a gold star for the launch. <laughs> yeah. No, I completely agree with you. Like I said, it was my backup, but I was like, I feel like Melissa's going to mention Threads. <laughs> it is they, The whole branding, I guess, was like, we want it to be a place to build community. And so far, I find that that is true. I feel like I've jumped into Threads about like books that have changed people's lives mm. or impactful messaging and things, or even just like playful things. Like this one woman was talking about like K-dramas and I was like, Oh, I want to like jump into this thread and see what people are watching and get mm-hmm. recommendations and also like share my own stuff. Like I feel like the way it's set up right now, it's not as conducive to lurking, which is good. Like you're mm. really encouraged to participate. Like you're not just here to observe um, Ooh, like, yeah, like that be passive. Yeah, like you have to yeah. kind of jump in. And that's where I've gotten engagement with people. And I think you're right. We are in a, a nice kind of window where people haven't really monetized it yet, that there's not yeah. ads, SpawnCon, and that mm-hmm. stuff. So it is just people saying, what are your thoughts? What are you thinking about? Um, but it, it's not too toxic. It's for yeah, me, it's very wholesome and pure. Yet. I like it. I hope, yeah, and I hope that continues, right? And you know, I I'll also give a gold star to creators, just people in general, who are so willing to just jump into another app and try it out. Like I've already seen so many people. I feel like take this opportunity. Like it's just so savvy and just. Mm-hmm. um like so quick with it. Like they're like, oh, a new tool. I'll figure this out. And they've already like figured out like really nice ways to organize text in a thread. And I'm like, wow, that's beautiful how you organize that. I don't know. I just, you know, for as distracted and whatever you can call our generation, the fact that we are so easy to like, we're so quick with it and easy to learn Mm -hmm. and easy to adapt and easy to absorb. I like that about us. 
So do I. And what you just said actually segues perfectly into my manifest sesh for the week. So my manifestation this week is a quote that's been attributed to John Quincy Adams. I cannot confirm if our, hmm. if the U.S. second president said this or not, but that's what I was seeing <laughs> online. John Adams. Sorry. <laughs> You know, that, that little one who spoke to me, <laughs> Hamilton, Hamilton. Oh, oh, I was like, what? I didn't know oh, this was no. something that happened Sorry. in like American elementary school before no. I moved here. I was like, I don't know this. Like, I almost, I almost <laughs> lost you. I was quoting the king in his song about John oh, Adams. And every time I think of John Adams, I just hear, John Adams, you mean that little one that spoke to me? (laughs) Okay, let me shut up. No. Did not mean to interrupt you. I love a Hamilton reference. That's totally fine. Um, More of those, actually. Um, But my manifestation this week is a quote, maybe from John Quincy Adams. It's, try and fail, but don't fail to try. And it's kind of like what you were saying. It's okay Mm. to try new things. It's okay if you don't get it right, but just don't get frozen in like Mm -hmm. stopping yourself from even trying. So I'm manifesting just more trying. It's actually one of my words of the year is try. And I think we just need more of that. People just try, put yourself out there and it's okay if you fall down or stumble a couple of times. Yeah. Try launching a podcast. Try living in Spain for a month. I mean, you're doing a great job. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Just try. You never know. Things can work out. Um, I'll link the song that I was referring to for Hamilton as well. (laughs) So people think you're like, I'm not. I'm only going to hear you singing. Literally no neurotic. (laughs) Um, (laughs) My manifestation is a pretty simple one. I think it combines like two quotes that we all have heard before, and that's come what may. And you've got this. And come what may, always makes me think of Moulin Rouge. Yes. It's also something I want to get tattooed on my body. Yeah. I'm saying it out loud so it actually becomes a reality. Um, because, I don't know, I – there's – you know, I'm going to see you tomorrow-ish. I'm flying. There's a lot of traveling happen. There's a lot of uncertainty happening right now with just – like my work stuff, just, you know, and I, I personally need to manifest that no matter what happens, because we also talked about traveling and things can go awry. Okay. Mm-hmm. With traveling. Um, my luggage just, that didn't make it to Spain. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So all the, the nervousness <laughs> that I have with traveling in general, being in another country, um, you know, being away from my family and, you know, like I, I being the primary caretaker of my dog, like that's so silly, but hey, like it's okay. Aww. And uncertainty with work, like no matter what happens, you've got this. And I'm not the only one with like a lot of anxiousness with things right now. All of, all of us in life are just dealing with a lot and, you know, it, it's simple and it's cliche, but I think hearing it, no matter what, helps me. And it's like, we've got this. You've got this. No matter what comes. So that's what I'm manifesting. <laughs> I love that. Not that you're anxious, but I, I love that you're trying to take that approach to moving through all of the uncertainty. Well, your manifestation was last week, Renee. The power of positive thinking. Trying yeah. to find, Trying to find the angels. Yeah, because if you don't believe in them, you will never see one. Yeah, fun, fun angels. Um, well, thanks for the laughs. <laughs> thanks. Another one where we've just gone off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, honestly, I mean that's what it's like to hang out with us. So you know. <laughs> It is what it is. It is what it is. Wait, you had something you wanted to share before we signed off. Oh, see, this is why I need you. Yes. Okay. This is a friendly reminder that um, our book club episode is coming out on August 2nd. So if you wanted to read along with us and um, 
be prepped for the recording on August 2nd or the episode. The book that we're reading is Atomic Habits, An Easy and Proven Way to Build Good Habits and Break Bad Ones. And this is by um, James Clear. Also, fun fact, I just got a an Instagram ad about this book, um, about the audio book version of this book. And mm. I'm like, oh, you know, an audio – I haven't listened to an audio book in a while because, you know, I just don't commute as much. But maybe traveling, that could be a good time to listen to an audio book. Um, but I, I feel like this book would actually be a great one to listen to. Um, so audiobook can also be – be a way to to read it. I consider listening to an audiobook reading. That's probably controversial. <laughs> but I'm super controversial. It no, I'm just kidding. It's not controversial. I have a hard time staying focused with audiobooks sometimes. Interesting. But do you consider it if you listen to the book on audiobook? It's a book. Like you've read yeah. the book. Yeah, okay. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I'm a purist. I don't really listen to a ton. But yeah, if you listen to it, you read it. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I was listening to the story. (laughs) I like listening to memoirs. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Those are easier for me. Those are easier for me. And so, yeah, I've just heard, I've seen some stuff bubbling on Goodreads. Like, but did you really read it? Anyway, that's my hot take. You read it. Atomic Habits. Um, Yeah. Excited to talk through that one with you all too. Awesome. Well, thank you. Melissa, and thank you guys for listening in another week. Episode yes. 11, firmly in the double digits now. <laughs> thank you for being here, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Have a good week. <laughs>